This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 85. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, aka the hostess with the mostest, aka I don't have anything else that rhymes, so I'm not that clever. <laughs> I should have prepared some things before this. I'm the hostess with the second mostest. Yeah, and my co-hostess with the second mostest, Chris, not wearing a purple shirt, Graham. Chris, how you doing today, man? It's under the sweatshirt today. Oh, you got a sweatshirt on. Yeah, I should actually wear a sweatshirt myself simply because my new AC unit is just killing it right now. <sighs> it's freezing in my house and it's like, you know, 85, 90 outside. It's not too bad, but it's still hot outside. I'm debating whether to make a joke about that being cool. Oh. But I'm not going to make that joke. <laughs> you just did. You <laughs> no, I didn't. You just did. No, I didn't. Okay. That's the safe way to make a bad pun joke right there. Is just to make it without making it. All right. Yeah. So I'm thinking about making a pun that has something to do with this. It's the self-aware dad joke. That's like a next <laughs> level of dad joke that has just been invented today on the podcast. You heard it here first. Chris, how have you been, man? And I, before you answer, I already know the answer. Anyone who's been following you on social media knows the answer. How have you been, buddy? Well, back to what you said a minute ago about that type of pun joke being like an inception type pun joke well here's how i've been last week mr andy j pizza and i went to hollywood that's not hollywood ohio that's hollywood california california to interview one of the stars of the movie inception mr joseph gordon levitt i hope you didn't talk to him like that a single time under the whole time and (laughs) and so (laughs) It was awesome. So like, I went with Andy. Andy and I worked out a deal where he's going to be helping me with one of my businesses. Stay tuned for more details on that. It's going to be awesome. And I showed up with the mix pre that we've been talking about and set it all up and recorded an interview between Andy and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, if you don't know, he's an A-lister actor. He was in the movie Inception. He was in one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Third Rock from the Sun. It was great. Mix pre killed it. I'm not like... <laughs> We took a sponsorship from them just for a few episodes because we were obsessed with the product, but it really was amazing to just be like, I press the record button and I have nothing to worry about. It's not going to clip. Yeah. It's not going to crash. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt's not going to get mad at me. (laughs) Yeah. So the mix pre three being Hollywood approved because Joseph Gordon-Levitt, also known as JGL, I don't know if he's ever known as that. He should be. He was recorded through the mix pre three and I assume no issues happened. Zero. It was awesome to just be like, I'm going to calm down and uh, not worry if anything crashes. Well, I will say mine is still sitting on my desk with the cord bundled up and I still need to hook it up, but I will report back as soon as I do. I promise. I'm just, I am such an anti-gear nerd that I don't even (laughs) want to set up brand new gear that I got sitting on my desk. It will happen. And when it happens, I will report back and the world will be right. Fantastic. Well, so here's what happened. So we hung out with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He was so cool. He just seems like a cool dude. I just, I've always liked him and I don't even know him. Yeah. I really liked him a lot. He called me by name, which made me, made my heart <laughs> made flutter. Made your butterfly. Yeah. yeah. Bit, I was Butterflies like, oh. in your heart. <laughs> I've been watching you since you were in the movies, Angels in the Outfield back in the early nineties. Oh my God. I forgot he was in that. <laughs> oh man. Baseball movies from the nineties. Anyway, so he has a company called Hit Record. That's a collaborative space where people come together and make stuff together. Pretty cool. Super cool. His team at Hit Record was incredible. And here's where the story goes off the rails. 
Ooh. We went out to lunch at a Russian dumplings place. That just sounds like a bad idea. And here's the thing, like, without any context, without knowing anything else, if you just told me I'm going to a Russian dumpling place, dumpling, sorry, I'm from the South, dumpling, Russian dumpling place <laughs> in Hollywood, I'd be instantly on the defensive and say, I, you shouldn't go there. Yeah. That's not a thing you should do, Chris. We did. Whose choice was this, by the way? Who was the one that said, oh, this is the place we got to go? It was like a cumulative thing, but we went there and they may have been the culprit or it may have been the sushi I had on Sunset Strip later that night. Ooh. Horrendous choice. Yeah. But Andy and I decided to go catch a comedy show at the Comedy Cellar and we saw like David Spade and Chris D'Elia. You got a star-filled week in Hollywood, man. Yeah. There was just a whole bunch of like unbelievably famous comedians all had like 15 minute sets. That's like one of my guilty pleasures is Joe Dirt. <laughs> Same. It's like one yeah. of my favorite movies ever. And yeah. so I'm sitting there in the comedy club and I'm like, I feel funny. And uh, <laughs> then later on that night, some things happened when I went to use the restroom. And then over the course of the next week, probably had the same thing happen maybe a hundred times. <laughs> That's the most kind explanation of incessant diarrhea anyone's ever said on a podcast. I lost six pounds in seven days. Dude. We had to call the squad twice. I had to go to the hospital. I had to get pumped full of fluids. Oof. I contemplated my own mortality on several days, occasions. It was a mind-opening experience. I've never, ever been anywhere close to that sick before. Usually food poisoning is like 48 hours and you're done. I've had it before. It sucks, but you get through it. I've never seen one last for this long. And it actually put up a red flag to me because when I was in Europe in 2015, I ate some like questionable shawarma in Budapest, just off the street, just like a street vendor, which street food. I love street food. I've eaten it anywhere. I ate a ton of street food in Thailand while I was there and didn't get sick at all. But this gave me, I thought was just food poisoning, but no, it lasted two weeks Ooh. of that exact same thing you dealt with, except it wasn't food poisoning. It was or I guess you could call it a form of food poisoning, but it was a parasite. I got a parasite. And that's what I thought it was. And it wasn't that, thankfully, or at least it wasn't at the time you got checked out for it. But yeah. I'm glad you're okay, man. I know we missed the podcast episode last week and there shouldn't be a gap for any of our listeners, thankfully, because we bank these ahead of time. But I haven't got to talk to you in a while, I feel like. Yeah, man, it was rough. It was definitely like, there were moments when I was like delirious, like drunk. And I don't drink. I never, ever, ever, ever get drunk. So it was weird. Like I was with Andy in Hollywood at our Airbnb and I had to like knock on his door in the middle of the night and like ask for help. Cause I was like, I could pass out at any minute. And then they called the squad and what is the squad? You mentioned it a couple of times. I don't know what that even means. Oh, we called nine one one. Wait, what do you call nine one one? The squad? I've never heard this in my life. <laughs> That's a good question. It might be like an Ohio thing. I don't think that's anyone else in the world says that except you. <laughs> that's also possible. <laughs> but yeah, they came in and uh, I've never been dehydrated like that, but I was just like loopy and much funnier than normal. <laughs> and uh, it was weird. And so to kind of like push through the story, it was a very educational week. I'd never been to Hollywood before. I had no idea what an awful place Hollywood is. <laughs> yeah, it's a trash hole. And we're not just talking bad about it. Anyone in LA will say the same exact thing. Yeah. If you're walking on the sidewalk on like the strip in Hollywood, there's actually more gum than there is cement <laughs> on the sidewalk. I believe it, man. 
so think about the type of person that's like chewing gum and is like, you know what? I could turn my head and spit this into the, the curb or the grass or whatever. Or even a garbage can. Or a garbage. I'm just going to spit this on the sidewalk where someone's going to step on it. Like what? Who does? That sums up Hollywood in a nutshell right there. Yeah, it does. I just like, I would not turn my head for the sake of any other human being. And there's more stories about how terrible Hollywood is, but frankly, they're too PG-13 for this podcast <laughs> of things that I saw. I can't, uh, I can't wait to hear about this off the yeah. podcast. Oh, it's so gross. So anyways, I had an interesting week. Yeah. Somehow I, I flew home in the middle of this food poisoning. The flight home was actually pretty easy. So we called 911. They got me on a bunch of Pedialyte, started feeling much better, got on the plane, got home, and then crashed when I got home and it was, uh, it was scary. My kids were freaked out because it was like, who's this guy that looks like our dad that came home that doesn't know how to talk. Is daddy on drugs? <laughs> yeah, that's what it looked like. I mean, it looked like I was very, very, very drunk and it was weird. It's one of those things. I'm sorry, guys, we're almost done with this, but it was one of those things where I'd be like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, f oh, I think I'm going to die. Yeah. And, you know, just like very, very quick changes. When I had that parasite, it was, there would be times where I just felt amazing. And then out of nowhere, just, oh, it's an emergency. I got to find a bathroom right this absolute second. And I'll just say this. I had a 12, 13 hour flight home from Germany Ooh. through Iceland into Boston that I had to do in the middle of this because it was at the end of my trip that this happened. And I'll just say that my trip home was not smooth and I don't want to talk about anything else besides that. Let's change the <laughs> subject, Chris. Okay. All right. So today's episode, after that long rambling intro, there's just so much we had to talk about, Chris. Yeah. There's too much we had to catch up on. And you know what? If people don't want to listen to us chat as friends, then if they can't listen to us at our worst, then they don't deserve us at our best. Then you can go straight to Hollywood. <laughs> Get it, y'all? Because like Hollywood's kind of like hell. There it is. Today's episode is, I don't know how else to explain it. We'll have a better title than what I'm about to say. But today's episode is about delayed gratification. And how that affects us as entrepreneurs, as human beings, as business owners, as audio engineers, as home studio owners, as men, as women, as humans, as bald and haired, it affects us all in very similar ways. And we're going to talk about some different ways that pans out and why delayed gratification is so damn important for us as business owners. Totally. I know this might not sound like the most interesting episode I'm surprised that we've been able to say this so many times about so many episodes. This is a skill that if you do not possess, you will not be successful, period. Or at least not for long. Yeah. You might have a flash in the pan of success, but you'll ruin it. Yep. It is one of those skills that without it, you don't have a shot. So that's, I think, one of the fun things about this podcast is there's a lot of blind spots you could have. There's a lot of skills you could lack when you're trying to build a business. And this is just one of those ones where you got to have it. You got to figure it out. You got to lock it down. This separates the men from the boys or the girls from the women. Or the rich from the poor. <laughs> yeah. This is like the great divide. If you cannot get this part right, you are severely limiting yourself and your upside as an entrepreneur or really any facet of anything you do ever in your life. I don't know how else to say how important delayed gratification is. And I think we talk about on the time on the podcast, one of Chris's criticisms, as he likes to repeat over and over again, like he's talking to himself from 15 or 16 years ago, or this is an advice buffet. Another one he likes to say a lot is we talk about being your future self's best friend. 
And every single time Chris says that, that's exactly what we're talking about here is delayed gratification. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways that this plays in as we get ready to dive into this, but the whole being your future self's best friend is this idea that no matter what you're doing, you are either borrowing from your future self, like depending on them, or you're helping your future self. And the people who help their future selves the most are the most successful people. It's that simple. So this idea of delayed gratification is, is super interesting. So I want to get us started with a story. There was a study done a number of years ago about children. And what would happen is the children, they got a bunch of children in this study and they, they brought them in one at a time. And the scientist or whatever walked into the room. This was put on by Stanford, by the way. This is a Stanford study. I'm probably going to get some pieces of it wrong, so bear with me here. And you can go look this up online if you want to read in detail, but the gist of the story, I'm sure you will get right, Chris. And so the idea was a kid would walk in and they would put a marshmallow on a plate and they would say, here's the deal, Billy. And Billy was like, you know, three, four or five years old. If you can wait 10 minutes before eating that marshmallow, we'll give you a second marshmallow. We're going to leave the room. If you eat the marshmallow, that's the only marshmallow you get. And they ran this test again and again and again. And then they monitored those children throughout their lives. We're talking like decades. Decades. Yeah. And wanted to see if there was a correlation between the children who were able to exercise restraint and the children who weren't. And what happened was there was an astounding level of correlation between the kids who were able to delay gratification and the kids who were not. And the kids who were able to delay gratification were far more successful, made far more money. And the kids who were not able to do that didn't fare as well. So this is interesting. And especially for me as a father, you know, this is something me and my wife think about a lot of trying to teach this skill of delayed gratification to our children. Lucky for us, this is something our kids have been pretty good at from a very young age. And we've tried to just as much as we can instill this idea of like, hey, if you learn how to wait, you can get more marshmallows. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of different ways that this can impact you as a studio owner. And hopefully this is helpful for you guys. Hopefully this is something where you guys can apply this and spot in your own lives if there are areas where you're not able to exercise delayed gratification. So I think you put it really well when you said you're either borrowing from your future self or you're being your future self's best friend. And I think another way of putting it is you're either borrowing from your future self or you are investing in your future self. And that's really how this sums up. And I think that's a really good example to go to first is debt and investments. Yep. Because this is just something that's super easy for us to look at, pick apart and talk about when it comes to delayed gratification, because this is an example that all of us face in our adult lives. We all face one of two realities. One is we take on debt, which is literally borrowing from your future self because that debt comes with payments. And those payments have interest on it. And so you will always pay back more than you borrowed. So you are forcing your future self to work harder in the future so that you can experience something now that you could not afford to pay for. And that in a nutshell is the epitome of not exercising restraint, not being your future self's best friend. And this is why I'm so against debt. Chris and I were talking before the episode started about debt in general, because this is something that's been a huge part of Chris's year is knocking out all of his debt. and. I just think that in all areas, except for maybe a home, I think debt is a terrible, terrible idea. You know, you're welcome to speak into this, Chris, because you probably have an alternate opinion to me, but I just hate debt. (laughs) Well, I have migrated more towards your position. You know, I've talked about this in the podcast in the past, but I, like many people, ran my business on debt. So I would try to make investments 
with my debt that would speed up the growth of my business. And which on paper, which is interesting, and I want to go down this rabbit hole, but on paper, fueling your business's growth with debt makes more sense because it's something called leverage, which we're not going to get into, but that's on paper. And what happens on paper rarely pans out in reality. And that's kind of what you experienced. Well, I was lucky. It worked for me. I was able to dramatically speed up my business's growth. That isn't to say I didn't make a ton of mistakes and I wouldn't do a lot of it differently, but I have begun to share your belief, maybe even more radical than what you believe, this idea that it's not my right to borrow from my future self. My future self isn't mine. And so as I've been chewing on that, I would say there's only a few places where debt makes sense. I would say definitely buying a house is one of them. And I would say education um, is another one. Not 100% of the time, you know, a bad education for debt or an education that won't make you more money is really, really silly. But, you know, when I hired Graham Cochran as my business coach, I used some debt to do that. I didn't have cash in the bank at the time to pay his fees, but it was a great move. I'm really glad I did that. So I would say that there are some occasions when debt is appropriate. I want to push back on this a little bit though. Go ahead, go ahead. I talk about this with schools all the time, how our education model is completely wrecked and is going to implode at some point in the next decade. Agreed. And it's unsustainable and it's a bunch of bullshit, but that doesn't mean that education is bad. It just means that the way we're funding education right now is absolutely absurd, especially because it's just being fueled by debt and the prices are skyrocketing. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I will say that the only reason debt fueling your business worked out for you, which I would even argue against because you, at the start of this year, you had a lot of debt that you had to now get rid of. That to me doesn't sound like it's working out. I know it worked out, but there was side effects to that that were negative. But the only reason it worked out for you is because you had delayed gratification in other areas of your life. Yeah. And there was a really good conversation in the Six Figure Home Studio community where somebody was like, gassing, which is a nerdy audio term for gear acquisition syndrome. They just turned it into a verb. They wanted to acquire a piece of gear. And they were talking about how this piece of gear just was so much better. It was like a, some monitors, some expensive studio monitors and how they really wanted them. And they heard them and everything sounded so much better on them. And, but they were like two or three grand and he wanted to go into debt for them. And everyone was like, yeah, man, that's the most important part of your chain. Go for it. And I left a comment and this sums up my views on debt substantially. Debt itself can be a good thing if used properly. The problem is the type of person that goes into debt to fund their gear or something else that is a lack of delayed gratification, that is a sign of someone who is going to not have delayed gratification in other things in their life and their business. So in your case, Chris, you're a freak of nature. You, I wouldn't even say it was a delayed gratification thing. It was actually a strategic move using debt to fund your business. And there's some pros and cons with that. And there's a lot of danger that comes with that. But it worked out for you because you are such a good friend of your future self. You are your future <laughs> self's best friend. Well, thank you. Whereas someone who's buying gear with debt, likely that type of person is going to have other areas that they're struggling with delayed gratification. So it's not across the board, but it is a strong, strong indicator that that type of person is going to be their future self's worst enemy. And... That's why I'm so adamant against debt in almost every area. I like where you're going with that. What you're saying is that if you are good at being your future self's best friend, then debt is something you could consider. If you have a bad history of screwing your future self, debt is going to be a very bad choice for you. And there's sort of like a maturity thing there 
of trying to figure out what your inclinations are and whether to explore that. I would say if it's education that will be profitable, that that debt is a good choice. And we use audio school as an example all the time. Well, let me just say this though, is the type of person that is not willing to save money, delay their gratification to purchase that education. They are likely not the type of person who will use that education to their benefit. That's kind of where I'm at on that stance. Yeah. And so we use audio school as an example on this, a $70,000 student debt bill on audio school. For fail sale. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Unless it's going to help you get customers and clients quickly, not a good call, I would say. Well, one thing to note about that is, this is a quick side tangent, my hatred for fail sale, which I'm not going to say their name because they might sue me. I don't know how this works. My hatred for fail sale university. I believe it's pronounced soul fail. Soul fail. Ah, either one. Soul fail <laughs> is great too. Soul fail university. My hatred for them is for people who are going for auto engineering degrees to run a freelance recording studio. If you are going for like film or TV or some other like large industry yeah. that has actual jobs, then it might make more sense. But I'm going to go out of that right now because that's a conversation for a different day. I just wanted to make my piece on that subject. But back to the debt thing, you were talking about funding education with debt. You were continuing on that. Yeah. I'm a big believer that the best investment you can possibly make is in yourself. And because the best investment you can make in yourself is the best investment you can make. (laughs) 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 Because of that, that often a reasonable, I wouldn't go you know, a million dollars in debt for something like that on the off chance that you will learn the skills that you need to make that million dollars back. But I'm so big on coaching. I think that's one of the most important purchases anyone can make. This isn't a pitch. I'm actually not taking any more coaching students right now. I'm full up until further notice. Nice. Oh my gosh. I am just, if I could go back and preach it, my younger self from 16 years ago, I would be like freaking get a mentor get a coach, like find somebody who has market skills. And by market skills, I mean like knows how to take their skill and make money with it consistently. I would say that's some of the most important investment you can make. Books, we've talked about this in the past. Would I go into debt to buy some of the books we've recommend? You bet your ass I would. You shouldn't have to because it's like 12, it's 12 bucks. If you, <laughs> you can't afford the books, there's a whole other underlying issue. And I think we should probably move into that because this whole episode isn't just about funding education or gear. There's a lot to delayed gratification. I don't want to sound too self-righteous here with that because there's a danger. And I will say to even kind of push back on what you're saying is I think some people look at education as the silver bullet when it's not. I think education used wisely is the true thing. And I think delayed gratification and the willingness to put the work in are tied hand in hand. Whereas borrowing from your future self, not being able to use delayed gratification, that's the type of person that will spend money, even debt on education and then never do anything with it at all. You're not wrong there. I think there's an appropriate level of education for everybody. I spent a high five figure amount of money. No. Yeah. High five figure amount of money on education in my life. Maybe even six figures. I don't even know. I lost count because I was paying thousands a month for a coach. I've paid thousands and tens of thousands of dollars for courses and stuff. So like, I've spent a lot of money on education in my life, but I worked my way up to it and it, I funded it through my business. And you're a doer. When you learn something, you apply that into action. True. And I think that's one of the reasons coaching is so interesting. Again, not a pitch, but one of the reasons coaching is so interesting is because a coach is going to hold you accountable in a way that a book will not. I spent five grand on a group coaching program at the end of last year. 
And here we are in June and I'm still working almost every day on the tasks they've given me on my roadmap. That's how I handle that sort of investment. I take it seriously, but let's move on because I didn't mean to talk this much on education, but this is a huge part of it. And you know, if you can invest in yourself in education and you can put the work in on what you learn, that is a great way to delay gratification because the work you're doing now and the stuff you're learning now is going to pay dividends in the future, but it takes a long time to get there. And that is the power of delay gratification is experiencing the small, tiny wins over a very long amount of time. And then they add up to a very large percentage. And we look into investing. Let's just talk about retirement investing because this is an easy example as well. A friend of your future self is someone who started investing in retirement at like age 18 or their early 20s. Very few people do that. But when you get to age 60, you are so grateful that you did this consistently through your entire life because now you are set for retirement if you ever retire, which I don't want to talk about that. I'm never going to retire. But you are set for your retirement years financially because you did that. The foe of your future self is the one who waits until you're age 50 to even think about starting to invest for retirement because now you're almost too far behind or probably too far behind to ever catch up. There is not even just being your future self best friend when it comes to like investing in general as a being your future self's best friend, but it's also a timing thing where you're consistently doing it over a long amount of time. And it feels like you're making no progress because what's a hundred bucks a month going to do for your retirement or what's 20 bucks a month going to do for your retirement. And who cares? Cause it's, you know, 40 years from now, but being able to see that retirement account grow slowly, but surely as you invest in that over and over and over again, the compounding interest slowly raises into the point where you start seeing massive gains on that. And that's really it when it comes to investing in yourself and experiencing delayed gratification in all areas of your business and all the stuff we're talking about. But let's move on here. I think we've talked about the investing thing enough. Let's talk about another area that delayed gratification is extremely important, Chris, working on your business. Yeah. We talk about this all the time. I think one of the single most important things that you can possibly do for your own success is to set aside time each week, specific time each week for me. When I first started growing my business, it was Wednesday afternoons. I would take no client work Wednesday afternoons and I would work on my business, not for my business. That would mean I'd be building systems. I'd be doing marketing. I'd be finding ways to become more efficient, be finding ways to make sure that from that point on, my business was going to run more smoothly, which raised the number of songs I was able to work on in a given week, which allowed me to make more. So when you spend enough time working on your business, your hourly goes up. It's just that simple. Working on your business is tough and there's delayed gratification there because you could be working on client work. It could be working in your business, earning dollars today, but working on your business where you're putting work into systems and marketing and getting more leads in the door and all the things that we've talked about in past episodes. When you work on your business, you are able to start disproportionately earning more per hour in the future. So it's a payoff. Yeah. It's one of these amazing, amazing things. Or if you haven't experimented with just, I would say start with three hours a week, set aside three hours a week. And if someone like wants to come over or if somebody wants to meet or someone wants to work with you, say, I already have a previous commitment from this time to this time. I can't, I'm busy. I'm scheduled. If you're not using a calendar already, that might be an even better place to start. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely do that. You're out of your mind if you're not using a calendar to manage your time with your business. But when you start to do that, and you start to see the power of building out systems and finding ways to make your business run well. Also, when I would read business books initially was during those three hours. And when you start working on that, the level of your hourly wage 
starts to go up and up and up and up. And I never would have imagined that what I make per hour would have been even possible when I started doing this. Like I never would have dreamed it. That is such a powerful thing, but it takes this discipline to say, I know there's some anxiety around the projects I want to work on now. I know there's some anxiety about wanting to finish so I can get paid or wanting to finish so that I can get the next project started so that I can get paid. There's a lot of discipline there to say, no, it's not in future self's best interest. We want to be his or her best friend. We need to spend this time now so that we can benefit from it later. Have you ever actually sat down and thought about where your next client will come from? Most freelancers don't because most freelancers, number one strategy for getting new clients is something called hope marketing. And if that sounds like you, you're not alone. Most freelancers think that just by putting out great work, clients will come banging down your door to hire you. Now, while you obviously do need to be good at what you do, we both know that this strategy does not work. Otherwise, your calendar would be 100% booked solid with amazing projects from your ideal clients. So to help you with this fight against hopium addiction, I'm excited to announce that our flagship coaching program, Clients by Design, has finally opened up applications again. This transformational coaching journey is not a one-size-fits-all. It's tailor-made just for you. We'll do a deep dive into your business to see what's missing, and we'll lay out a step-by-step roadmap to guide you over the next six to eight months. And here's the best part. We don't just give you the plan and send you on your way. We give you personal one-on-one help so you never get stuck. And we make sure you actually follow through with something called our absolute accountability system. So if you're ready to stop relying on hope marketing and ready to start building your own client acquisition machine so you can get a steady flow of clients, then it's time to step up and apply for clients by design and see if you're a good fit. Just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. And I'll be the first to say that this program is not for everyone. So far, we've only accepted about 25% of those who apply. So if you want to find out if you're a good fit, just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach and fill out the application. Now here's our show. I think one of the biggest struggles people have with, especially this specific thing that we're talking about, or really anything with delay gratification is it requires that you do things that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest issue with delay gratification because we'd rather be watching another YouTube tutorial on the newest, hottest plugins from Slate. Did you know the everything will change, Chris? Everything will change on June 18th. Actually, I think this podcast airs after everything has already changed. So I wonder what has changed. This is their everything bundle? I don't know. Yeah, that's probably what it is. I just got like six emails from Slate and all it just said was everything will change on June 18th. By the time this episode airs, I will already know how the world changed. My guess is it's hype and there's nothing that special about it, but maybe I'll eat my own words. Anyways. Depends on if they pay us or not. (laughs) (laughs) If they pay us as a sponsor, then I'll cut everything I just said about. Or maybe I won't. Who knows? But yeah, you want to like look through all of these interesting new plugins coming out or all of this gear or another tutorial on how to do a compressor or whatever, or whatever you consider the fun part of mixing, which is the thing you want to do all day, every day. But the issue comes down to instead of doing things that are not going to push your business forward, that's not being your future self's best friend. You're being your future self's best friend is working on your business, doing that shit that you don't want to do, but you know it will help yourself. And that's the biggest issue. Bingo. There's an addiction there. And that addiction, I think, is to pat yourself on the back. People can't see you right now, but you're patting yourself on your shoulder. I'm patting myself on my back. (laughs) There you go. Shoulder-ish back. And so for a lot of people, I think they're like, well, I got to make a snare sound good right now so I can pat myself on the back. Got to make vocals sound nice and smooth and buttery so I can pat myself on the back. They just get so fixated on must earn accolades for self. And when you only do that, you have to have this transition and be like, you know, when you should pat yourself on the back, it's not when you do good engineering work, you should a little bit, 
you should pat yourself on the back when your business is running more steady, when your business is more efficient, and when you can be like, awesome, I am that much closer to being sure I can do this for the rest of my life. As opposed to like, one time I made a snare sound good, and then I had too much debt and not enough income, and I went bankrupt and had to close my shop. And now I do something I don't like for a living. I think a big part of making yourself do these things, and we've talked about this on past episodes, is the accountability thing. Like we have Blamo, which is our mastermind group. You have, or at least have had business coach in your life. I have also had a business coach in my life. I have a coaching program that I'm a part of. There's some forms of accountability. I also have my wife holding me accountable to certain things like, I got you, babe. That's so cute. You're also my accountability, Brian. We're accountability buddies, I know. I feel pretty good about that singing section right there. That was not as bad as I normally sound. Maybe James <laughs> will throw auto-tune on it. We'll see. <laughs> it doesn't need auto-tune, Brian. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, some sort of accountability because if you don't have anything holding you accountable to something, like I'm even susceptible to not getting stuff done because my tendency, my default is to want to do what I want to do, not what I need to do. And without any form of accountability, I just won't do it. And so like, that's probably the biggest thing that's helped me be my future self's best friend is finding some form of accountability in my life. Yeah. Well, and some of that I think is just finding someone that you can share your wins with. You know, for me, when I, Mark and Shane Fixeri, who were my business mentors, they're both dentists, they're both wildly successful. Would you call them dentors? They're my dentors. They had a dog named Moeller, which I thought was just adorable. That's adorable. I love that. They're like all in on that dentist lifestyle. Yeah. His car is probably worth more than my house. (laughs) It was just so fun when I first, they held me accountable in many ways. It was so fun when I would go and, you know, have a victory, have something that, that I had solved or a system I had created and, you know, or had hit a certain level of income each month to be able to just go and talk to them about it and be able to be like, I had to win. I had to win. I had to win. And then to get feedback of like them telling me things like raise your rates, Chris, and me being like, no, I'm too afraid. (laughs) And and (laughs) it was just, it was a good thing. But anyways, I think we should move on. I think there's another section where you can be borrowing from future self. You can be not being your future self's best friend. And that is fitness or fatness, depending on where you're at. Am I right? There we go. Yeah. 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 Fitness is one of those things. It's like the elephant in the room. And we have talked about it on the past on episode number 74, where we talk about our five favorite ways to prevent stress and anxiety. One of those ways is just taking charge of your health and fitness. And this is another one of those areas that we almost every day will find, and I'm still guilty of this myself. I'm not perfect. Almost every day, there'll be some sort of decision I have to make that is either I'm going to borrow from my future self, aka I'm going to satisfy my sweet tooth today, and my future self will pay for it, aka I'm borrowing from my future self, or I make the decision to be my future self's best friend and invest in my future self by working out or eating healthy or just doing something today that will be beneficial to my future self. And that is the constant struggle. But every single day, I just try to make more good decisions than bad decisions. But people don't understand this from that perspective of delayed gratification because fitness, food, these two things, just overall health, are this exact same thing with delay gratification. It's, do you want that donut? Because you're going to love it right this second, but in like literally 12 minutes, you're going to hate yourself. Mm. There's a really, really great book by Chip and Dan Heath called Decisive. Oh, I've never heard of this one. I've heard of Chip and Dan Heath. We talk about them all the time on the podcast for their other book. I have recommended this book to you. 
Really? It was in Nashville when we were hanging out for Summer Nam a long, long time ago. But anyways, this book is incredible. Decisive is all these tools you can use to make better decisions. And I was just so smitten. I love those guys. And they sent me a pre-release. I like begged them, hey, I've read all your books. I read lots of business books. Please give me like a pre-release copy and I will write a review. And they did. So they sent me a copy before it came out. And one of the best pieces of advice in that book, you're going to love this, Brian, was called 10-10-10. I love any framework. I love frameworks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is such a great framework. And the idea is when you have a decision to make, you should say, how will I feel about this decision 10 minutes from now, 10 days from now, and 10 years from now? Ooh, that's so good. Oh, it's so good. So it just brings, if you're like, hey, should I buy this stupid vintage preamp? Well, how would you feel 10 minutes after you bought it? How would you feel 10 days after you bought it? And how would you feel 10 years after you bought it? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, 10 minutes, I'd feel great. In 10 days, I'd... Buyer's remorse is going to set in. Yeah, buyer's remorse will set in. 10 years, I'd be like, dang it, why did I buy that? I don't ever use it. Yeah, that's a really good framework. So yeah, that framework is really, really good. I have a couple ideas. If you are thinking about treating your future self better, Here's two pieces of advice that I think you could apply. One, go to a really, really nice vegan restaurant and order a meal. Are there very, very nice vegan restaurants? Oh, yeah. All the ones here in Nashville are like kind of grimy. They're delicious. They're just kind of grimy. That's, I don't know. That's just kind of the vegan way. I would say that's a good <laughs> vegan restaurant. If you have to wear a tie to a vegan restaurant, that's not a real vegan restaurant. No, it's not. I take it back. There's one place in Nashville called Avo or Avo. Avo. Yeah, it's delightful. And that's a nice one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you're in Nashville, go to Avo. In Columbus, Ohio, there's a place called Commune that is amazing. I feel like there's a lot of negative connotations with the word commune, though. I don't know. It's always like culty sounding to me, but whatever. It is a little culty sounding. There's another place called North Star Cafe that has some really awesome vegetarian options. And then right by me, Thai Grill. There's some really, really great vegetarian Thai options. There's a point somewhere here, Chris. Yeah, there's a point. Go to a really, really fantastic vegan restaurant. The best you can find. It should have so many five-star reviews and just get a really nice expensive meal and eat it. You probably have not had a meal with no meat and you probably don't know what it feels like. <laughs> I love that you're like shoving your vegetarian agenda into this episode. I'm using my platform to advance my hippie ways. But this would be one of the things I would advise. Try that and see how you feel. Most people have never not had meat in a meal. And I would say, sorry, I'm like sort of evangelizing here. Our ancestors from long, long ago did not eat meat every single meal. And we're probably not built to do that. I'm not saying you have to be a vegetarian, but just go try a really good vegetarian meal. See how you feel. If it's a good restaurant, you will have your mind blown at how good it is. Andy and I went to this incredible place called Pure Vita in just, uh, let's see, West Hollywood. And it was this unbelievable experience. One of the best meals both of us had ever had. Maybe that's the one that gave you food poisoning, Chris. No, I'd already had it at that point. Oh, okay. But yeah, if you go to one of these really good restaurants, it just broadens your horizons and makes you think about health differently. So you're just saying this is just in regards to the 10-10-10 framework with your health. Just try it. It doesn't have to be expensive, yeah. by the way. I think if you did the expensive thing financially, yeah. the 10-10-10 would not work out. In 10 minutes, I'm going to love myself. In 10 days, I'm going to be like, shit, my bank account. I'm too scared to even check it. Spend like 15, 20 bucks on a meal at a nice vegan restaurant. My next piece of advice, 
would be if there's a good yoga studio by you, most yoga studios, I know this is so hippie, guys. <laughs> I love that all of your advice is A, super hippie, and B, like things you just started doing like last month. <laughs> well, yoga I've been doing for more than a year at this point. Oh, okay. But I'm going like every other day to a yoga gym now, and I love it. Most really good yoga studios will give you your first class for free. Yeah, because it's like we talk about this on the previous podcast, but it's like give your best stuff away for free. Actually, I heard on Graham Cochran's podcast, binging it this morning and he talks about drug dealers give away their best stuff for free because they know you'll come back for more. Yeah. So I would say try things and two great things to try or go take a free yoga class. Yeah. Because delayed gratification, by the way, does not have to be a chore. Yeah. You can make it fun. I think that's kind of the point you're making here, Chris, is like you can eat really, really good, healthy food and enjoy it and also be your future self's best friend. Yeah. You can do really, really fun fitness-related activities and enjoy them now and be your future self special. So it's not always a trade-off. And I think that's a really good point to have here. Yeah. If you do the yoga class thing, you might want to call them and tell them you've never done yoga. If you show up for the wrong type of class, you will not have fun. <laughs> There's one here in Nashville, actually. They have some places are probably like this, but the one I'm thinking of now, they actually have beginner classes. Yeah. Go to a beginner class. Once or twice a week. And that's like where you can get your intro to yoga. And then you can kind of work up to the bigger and better classes. Let's move on to these last couple here, Chris, and then wrap it up here. But mental health. A lot of mental health related things involve some delayed gratification in being your future self's best friend. How does this look, Chris? Man, dude. So this is the one I struggle with the most. I push myself when it comes to work. And I love just being like, I'm just going to freaking go for 10 hours in a row. No bathroom <laughs> breaks, no water, no decent food. I'm just going to like... <laughs> I'm going to squeal to a halt at the end as my body and mind shuts down. And then I'm going to be a real unpleasant husband and father for the rest of the evening. You know, my secret is to that, Chris, is I do everything you just said, except I chug a lot of water. I drink like seven cans of LaCroix in one workday. That's like one an hour. And I physically can't sit down for more than an hour and a half before I have to get up to go pee. It's like you have to take breaks when you drink that much water. That's one way to get around that. That's a good trick. I mean, I know us audio engineers hate having water bottles anywhere near our gear, but simply drinking a lot just to force you to break up your workday and to make sure that you're hydrated. I have a very new respect for hydration, having almost yes. died from it yeah. <laughs> over the last week. But what was the point you were making, Chris? You were talking about your 10-hour workdays. You'll go home. You'll be an unpleasant. Go home means, AK, I'm going to walk upstairs from my basement to my family upstairs. Essentially, that's the end of your workday. And then you're going to be super unpleasant. And that is a really good example of being your future self and your family's worst enemy. Yeah. So this mental health thing, I think, is really about knowing, we've talked about this before with my Jeep. My Jeep is a 1998 Jeep Wrangler. It's amazing. Once that thing gets less than a quarter of a tank of gas, it starts running real rough, starts feeling like a different car. And so for me, making sure that I have enough gas in the tank means I'll solve problems faster, make better decisions. And for a lot of us as audio engineers, tough love. This is like the most common mistake I see amongst newer audio engineers is they'll send bad mixes, not because they're a bad engineer, but because they're like, well, I'm going to mix for 15 hours at 120 decibels. <laughs> Good luck. That sounds like a really bad idea. By the time, you know, the 15 hours rolls around and you're almost done and you're like bouncing with bouncebutler.com. <laughs> almost ready. I'm almost there. It's going so well. Yeah, we didn't get to talk about that at all, but we'll talk about that next week maybe. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, like their ears are shot, their emotions are shot, their mental health is shot, they're making terrible decisions, 
And the mixes were great like 12 hours ago, but at this point they're trash because they weren't their future self's best friend. They just, all they wanted to do was feel the satisfaction of finishing. And then they wake up the next morning and are like, oh, this sounds terrible. I got to start again. Another 15 hours. Oh, next morning. Oh, this sounds terrible. I got to start again. That is the way to hell when it comes to mental health. Like, yeah, it plays out differently for everybody. Not everyone is like that. Everyone has their own battles when it comes to, and it's not all work-related either. Mental health is a really complicated thing, which is why I hesitate to even put it on this list. But when it comes to mental health, it is strikingly similar to physical health in that some of the decisions we make today will affect us either positively or negatively mentally in the future. Totally. And so if you are very, very selfish in the decisions you make, meaning you do what you want to do, no matter what the future consequences are, then the future consequences are you're going to have some mental health issues based on the things that you've done today. And if you can make that decision, if you can set things up, either accountability or routines or some sort of physical limit or software limit or whatever you need to do to keep yourself from doing the self-destructive things that are going to mentally hurt you in the future, it's being your future self's best friend. And I know this is more complex of a subject than I'm making it sound, but there is a lot to that when it comes to not doing self-destructive things now that you're going to enjoy in the short term, but in the long term, you're going to pay a lot of consequences. Yeah, this is huge. I think there are many more great audio engineers out there than there actually are, that only a few people are really, really great at it. And all of those people have figured out how to be kind to themselves. They figured out how to not run themselves ragged so that they make bad decisions in their exhaustion. Exhaustion? <laughs> I've slurred like 10 words today. I'm just like, fuck it. Either we'll edit it or I'll just sound like an idiot. We'll just, yeah, let's just leave it in. I've got food poisoning as an excuse. <laughs> but, okay, let's move on to our last item here. Yeah. This is related to the mental health thing and this is relationships. I've talked about this in the podcast before and a couple of you have reached out to me in the past about just the whole dad fatherhood thing and how that's been helpful. I know a lot of us have young kids and one of the most important things to grasp with relationships is delayed gratification is, you cannot possibly overstate its importance in relationships because there are only two ways to do relationships. There's hard, easy and easy, hard. All relationships are hard and you can decide whether you want to do that hard thing first, which means, you know, setting boundaries and being consistent and doing what you say you'll do by when you say you'll do it. Just like the adult stuff like that. You can either do that stuff first and then have it be easy in the long run, or you can say, oh, I just little Billy screaming in the grocery store because he wants a popsicle. And I'm, I'm just going to give it to him. Like, okay, cool. Well, you just chose easy. And every time you're in the grocery store for the rest of your life, little Billy's going to scream because he knows he gets a popsicle when he screams. And for those of you who don't listen to this podcast all the time, I recently got married just a few months ago. And back on episode 73, Chris and I talked about the struggle of running a successful studio at home with your family. I actually recorded that while I was on my honeymoon. And Chris talks about some of these things in that episode. So if family relationships, if that sounds interesting to you, go back and listen to episode 73. I was really proud of that episode. I was really, really happy with how that one turned out. Yeah. And I, I recommend that one a lot to people because there's a lot of questions people have about trying to run a studio with a family. I'm not the expert. I was basically the new kid on the block with my, I now have a family of my own, just me and my wife. And, you know, I'm now learning this stuff 
And I'm trying to do the hard, easy way instead of the easy, hard way. But sometimes the easy, hard way is the easy way to do it. So it's like, you know, I have, I struggle with this too. I'm not, Chris and I are not perfect in all the things we talk about. And that's one of the big things, especially with mental health that you have to accept is that you will not be perfect in all the things that you try to do. And if you expect that of yourself, you're going to keep beating yourself up and it's going to cause a self-destructive feedback loop of negativity because you're like, oh, I messed up because I ate that cheeseburger instead of getting like something healthy or damn, I messed up because I bought my kid this thing that I told him I wouldn't buy. I didn't let my yes be yes and my no be no. And now in the future, I know this is going to, you don't have to beat yourself up over this stuff. And if you do, you're going to make it worse for yourself because you're going to hate yourself if you let this stuff get to you. The key to this is simply doing your best and trying to proactively work towards improving that over a long period of time, because this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Life is a marathon. Totally. And the stuff we talked about today on the podcast, delayed gratification thing, the key to making this work and anyone in our lives that we know that are successful around us has made this work. They're successful because they do this. They show up every day and they're not perfect, but over the long term, they have more wins than losses. And I think that's the key to making delayed gratification work is to not beat yourself up and not be a perfectionist, but just understand that we're all human. As long as we're making progress, then that's all we can hope for right now. I love everything you said there, Brian. I think one of the really important things that we can do right now that can change your life is transition our egos about what we pat ourselves in the back for, about what progress means. And I think one of the ways you could do that is just shift to a different metric. Metric meaning something that a number that you use to measure success. So if you measure your ability to pat yourself in the back is how good the snare sounds in the last song that you mixed, cool. That's not a great metric. A better metric might be how many projects did you work on this month? How many projects did you book this month? How many songs did you finish and get an approval from the client on the first try? There's all these things you have to come up with your own of transitioning to what you want to brag to yourself about. That helps so much because if you find the right thing, you know, for me, it used to be, this is kind of cold, but I used to focus on like, what was the dollar amount of sales I had that month? And I would always want to have a PR, a personal record. And this was really steeped in my history in high school as a cross country and track guy. I was obsessed with like, I'd like to beat people, but more than that, I'd like to beat my own personal best my own personal record to know that I've improved, know that I've made some progress forward. So if you can sort of tweak in your own mind, what's a healthy thing that you can start bragging to yourself about? When do you actually earn a pat on the back and making sure it's one of these things that you have to practice self-discipline, that you have to practice delayed gratification to do? So that might be you know, your dollar amount each month. That might be the number of sales that you make. That might be whether you actually spent time working on your business, not for your business every Wednesday for three hours, or, you know, it could be, you know, every Tuesday and Thursday for three hours, whatever it happens to be, whatever goal that you've set that you know is going to move you forward, you can reorientate your own ego in a way that serves you by patting yourself on the back when you do things that will move the needle. And I think a big part of making this work, and this is like a quote I like to use all the time. This is my Brianism that I say on the podcast all the time is motivation over routine. If you rely on motivation every single day, you're going to always be your future self's worst enemy because motivation is not enough to keep you going. And all these things we talked about today in money, in relationships, in fitness, in food, diet, mental health, 
working in your business, not on your business. Motivation is not enough to keep you going and all these things and all the things you need to do. To me, at least, the only thing that works is two things. We talk about one, which is accountability. But the second thing, the biggest thing for me is routine. Yeah, I have a set routine where these are the things I do at these times. There's no guessing. There's no decision to be made. I lay my gym shorts and my gym shirt out next to my bed because I know the first thing I'm going to do when I wake up is I'm going to put those on. I'm going to go to the gym. And that's just what works for me. Let me play devil's advocate here. Uh, but Brian, I'm a creative and I'm you know more of a free spirit. I'm not really, not really into routine. Uh, you know, I kind of come and go with the wind, if you will, because uh, I'm better than everyone else. <laughs> I don't know if anyone actually talks like that, but <laughs> it's one of those things. Everybody works different. Everyone ticks differently. Everyone has different intrinsic motivators behind what they're doing and why they're doing it. But at the end of the day, every single person, even the most creative, airy type personality that I know, almost every one of them that is successful has some sort of either A, accountability, or B, routine, or both in what they're doing. And I don't know very many exceptions to that. And even if you find exceptions to that, I will not live my life based on the 1% of people who are the exception to the rule. I try to find what works for me. And that's all I can say to that. That's awesome, man. I think one of the cool things about that too is I think the most creative people throughout history, they have a routine and the routine ensures that they can get to that special magical flow state space where they can do their best creative work. And I know for me, that's that. Like I am excessively routined in some ways. You know, like when I show up to master, there's a really specific, you know, order of activities that I do that never, ever ever changes. I've done for thousands of days, work days in a row. You know, it's, it's the same routine. So that's another one of those things you could pat yourself on the back for sticking to your routine. You know, one of these things you could self brag about. So that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio podcast. The moral of this episode is very simple. Just be your future self's best friend. I want to try something new for this outro on the podcast. Just because I like to change things up. I don't like to be predictable. I'm going to challenge our listeners. I have a task for you to do this week. And it's, it's a simple task, but it's a task that might make you a lot of money. We shall see. I want you to do this. Look at your list of past customers. Every single past customer you have ever worked with. Look at those who you haven't talked to in the last six months and then contact them, whether it's a text or email or DM on social media and just say, hey, how are things going with blank? Whatever the band name is or the artist name is and see what happens. And then report back to our Facebook community at the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash community. That's the quick link slash community. And let me know what kind of things happen from that. I would almost guarantee that just by happenstance, they'll say, oh, we are just working on you music now. And I meant to hit you up about a price for this project. If this list of people is more than 10 people, I would almost guarantee you're going to get a paid project from this exercise. So go out there, do that report back on our six figure home studio community. Let us all know what happened. And then next week's episode, we will be continuing on our story that we started last week, which was a really, really fun episode, and where we really start to dig into the pricing process. How do we price our services so that we are not leaving money on the table? And not just that. We're not just trying to squeeze money out of our clients. Next week's episode, we talk about the skills that you can use to add more value to these projects so that you can charge more. We've got some really good stories tied to that episode, so it's not just a bunch of me and Chris talking through our advice to you. We actually have some, some good stories for that. So next week, bright and early 6am, we will continue that episode series until next time. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget about your assignment this week and happy hustling. Whoa.